Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thank you for listening to Activate, a podcast designed to challenge you to make faith active in your life. I'm Brandon Reeve, and we're excited you are hanging out with us today. I'm joined by Pastor Christian Newsom of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. And today, we're going to change things up a little bit. We're going to do things a little bit differently. More on that in a minute, but first... Let's start today with a a podcast question from one of our listeners. Last week, we launched our new series, Famous Last Words. And over the next few weeks, we're talking about and taking a closer look at some of the powerful statements of Jesus on the cross. After listening to last week's message, one of our podcast listeners writes this, uh, Christian, I was both encouraged and challenged by last week's message on Jesus' statement, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This week, as I've reflected on how much Jesus has forgiven me, I immediately begin to think about who I need to forgive. Unfortunately, the more I think about it and what this individual has done to me, the more I don't want to forgive. So how can I move past the hurt and forgive this individual, even though they have not apologized or probably ever will? Well, that's a great question, and as always, thank you listeners for asking questions. It helps us engage in a, in a conversation, uh, a dialogue, rather than just feeling like we're talking to air sometimes. So great question, but let's think about Jesus' statement for a minute, right? Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus forgives people who not only have not asked for forgiveness, he forgives people who don't want forgiveness, he forgives people who don't even know that they need mm. forgiveness. So, you know, this listener says, how do I forgive someone who hasn't even apologized? Well, you do it like Jesus did. And the reality is we ultimately, as Christians, we forgive because we've been forgiven. Right. That is really our primary motivation. We forgive because we've been forgiven, to offer somebody else what Jesus has offered us. In Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us how to pray the Lord's Prayer, and he prays, forgive yes. us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We actually, if you've prayed the Lord's Prayer, you've prayed, Jesus, forgive me the way I forgive others. It's a dangerous prayer mm-hmm. to pray. Jesus follows up the Lord's Prayer by saying, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is basically teaching us that we get to prove how much we understand his forgiveness of us by how we forgive others. And if we're not willing to forgive them, it may be because we think we've not offended Jesus as much as they've offended us, which means we probably don't understand the depth of our sin or the massive amount of grace that Jesus has shown to us. And and our forgiveness problem for the person who's hurt us in our life might be more about the pride in our life than the offense caused to us by somebody else. I'm not saying there aren't people who've been badly wounded. I'm not saying forgiveness is easy. I am saying forgiveness is possible mm-hmm. when we do for others what Jesus has done for us. And that and that was what Jesus' first statement on the cross is all about. Now, for those of you listening, listen, I'd love to answer your questions. I'd love to sit in your living room and have a conversation with you. We can do that if you'll ask questions. Uh, It'll allow us to dialogue a little bit. You can always ask a question through the email, activate at takethejourney.cc. So please send us your questions. Um, Now, Brandon, one of your roles um, at our church is to is to fill in and preach right. when I'm not here. It's actually one of the things that, that I like most 
about being the pastor of, of our church. I actually think every week about the day that I won't be the pastor at our church. Not because uh, I want to leave. I'm praying God allows me to be here for 25, 30 years. You're um, still young, bud. Yeah, I, maybe 25. I'm, I'm getting, up, getting up there. Um, but I love to get more people ready. I love to give more people opportunities. I love to expand the kingdom of God. So as a church, we're getting ready to plan a second campus sometime in the next year. You're here as our church planning resident after a right. time in children's ministry, after time as a family ministry pastor in Florida. You moved to Kansas City to help us in a lot of ministry areas, but really to get ready to go launch the second campus of Journey Church International. We're excited about that. Yeah, you actually got thanks. to preach our message, this message, I feel you, um, this message about Jesus' statement, I am thirsty. You got to, you got to preach this, so we're get to, we get to have a conversation today. Um, sure. We get to talk together. Instead of me answering all the questions, we get to kind of have a, a deeper conversation together about this message that you gave last week. So, you know, as, as we talk about this statement, I am thirsty, as we hear Jesus say, I feel mm-hmm. you, this statement reminds us that Jesus was human. You know, why is it so important that we emphasize the humanity of, of Jesus? As you reflect on what you taught our people, sure. what's the real key of that? Sure. Well, let me just say this first. It's a total different ballgame on this side of the conversation. So thank you for the opportunity. You know, the first message last week on the saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. It was powerful. So I'm encouraging you as listeners, you need to go back and watch it online at takethejourney.cc and then listen to the Activate podcast because it was powerful. So, um, you know, famous people have said some crazy things before they died. I was reading the other day that Elvis Presley, of all people, just before he passed away, he told his fiance, these are his final words, Christian, I'm going to the bathroom to read. That was it. Like, that's how he went down. In contrast, Jesus used what little strength he had remaining to share seven extremely powerful spiritual truths that apply to us today. And none of them were about the bathroom. None of them were. By the way, if I was Elvis, if I was a part of his family, like that would be on on the tombstone. I'm going to the bathroom to read. You'd put that on your tombstone. Must have been a long book because I don't, I, I think he's still there. He's, he, he could be. We don't know where Elvis is, do we? <laughs> That's true. It's like reading the Odyssey or whatever that really long one was that they assigned us in high school. He could still be there. <laughs> Has anybody looked there? We digress. But seriously, in contrast to what Jesus said in, 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 on his statements on the cross, I mean, it's really powerful. The simple statement by Jesus, I am thirsty, as I have learned, was powerful. It was strategic, and I believe personally it was intentional. I think he intentionally said that, and someone intentionally wrote it down for us today. So the question was, why is it so important that we emphasize the humanity of Jesus? I think the simple answer to that, just a brief answer, is that the entirety of the Bible emphasizes the humanity of Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible doesn't only present Jesus as human, it insists that Jesus was human. Jesus wasn't a robot. He wasn't a machine. Jesus was a human. He was born. He experienced growing pains. He was a teenager. He was hungry. He had a normal job. He went through the same experiences you and I do. And ultimately, the Bible insists that Jesus was human to give us comfort today, to give us hope. Because here's why. The reality is we live in a broken world and we experience suffering. There are people right now that are suffering as they listen to this podcast. 
perhaps you're listening right now and you're in the middle of an intense workout. You're suffering through the pain of a burpee or running on a treadmill. treadmill. And maybe you're suffering right now as you listen to this podcast because you're on your way to a job that you absolutely hate yep. and are miserable. Yep. Yeah, and I hope that's none of our staff <laughs> who are listening to this. But that's right. yeah, there's, there's no question. And there... Um, there are people who are listening to this, trying to find hope for their marriage. Right. There are people who are listening to this because they've engaged spiritually because they need help uh, f- for their kids. That's um, right. Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. There are suffering people listening that's to this. That's right. And so if that's you today, no matter how significant or insignificant your suffering seems, we need to remember this statement by Jesus at one of the most painful, excruciating moments of his life. And he states three simple words, I am thirsty. Christian, you know, when I reflect on this simple statement, I am thirsty, I hear Jesus from 2,000 years ago forward, uh, shouting to us forward to today. I hear him saying, I understand. I understand. Listen to the passage in Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You know, I love it that the writer of Hebrews insisted that we know and grasp that Jesus was a human. And then he emphasized his empathy. Jesus understands our hurts. He understands our struggles and the sufferings, because suffering understands suffering. You know, I was recently sitting down with a friend sharing some of my personal struggles and my frustrations. And you know what I loved about them? They didn't try to fix my problems. They just simply replied, I understand. I understand. You know, that's Jesus. Jesus is that friend. But it goes even deeper than that. He not only understands, he wants to help you. And in verse 16 of that Hebrews passage, Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, this verse should give you and I, should give the listeners today tremendous hope. Because if, if we're struggling... We need to have confidence knowing that Jesus understands and is willing to help. Yeah, and that, that verse is so good where it talks about empathy. You know, we think of the word sympathy. Right. Um, sympathy means I feel bad for you. Empathy means I feel bad like you. Right. Like I actually feel what you feel. There's a New Testament word that we get in the English as compassion. So Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. Yes. That word compassion, it, it's a weird word because if you read it in the Greek, it literally means he felt their bowels, mm-hmm. like the the insides right. of your stomach. And it's a thought of when you see something that like kind of hits you in your gut, you see somebody do something that you're afraid of, you see something do somebody do something death defying, you you know, you see some an athlete on TV mm-hmm. that breaks a bone and it kind of makes you sick to oh, your yeah. stomach because yeah. it's like That's you feel thing. it. That's the feeling. That's, That's good. what Jesus feels. Jesus said, I look at you and I feel exactly what you feel in my gut. I'm feeling what you're feeling in your gut. I feel you. I get you. Um, and it's such a strong, strong point that the words, I am thirsty, tell us. Um, now, incredible connection between the stories of thirst in the Old Testament. There is. And the promise of living water in the New Testament. We hear a lot of people in the Old Testament say, I'm thirsty. Yes. Jesus shows up and he says, hey, if you know me, you'll never thirst again. You, you unpack that a little bit in our message with a story from John chapter 4. Um, talk to our podcast listeners about that and how to really directly apply some of that truth. Sure, sure. 
Um, you know, you mentioned it. One is, one of the greatest complaints of the Old Testament, as I've studied this and have heard over the last couple of weeks, is I am thirsty. If you ever get a chance to visit Israel, the site of many of the incredible stories of the Old Testament, you will quickly discover how arid and dry the climate is, especially when you are separated or removed from a major water source. And, and everywhere we went in Israel, we always had a bottle of water with us because it's just an arid, dry climate. But let's take it a step further. I believe that the physical thirst represented in the Old Testament is actually symbolic of a deep spiritual thirst that they could, they could not have ever had completely quenched. But here's the best part. Then Jesus comes into the picture. He offered a different type of water. It was living water. And I'm not talking about a, a water that's different from the tap water that you get out of the kitchen faucet and maybe a bottle of glacier water from the North Pole like they're bottling now. You know, We can learn. That's why those glaciers are all melting. That's right. Because we're they're taking all in water. our refrigerators. <laughs> Global warming. Unbelievable. Man. Global warming. But let's take a little. I'm not a very good host of this podcast. I just, I just. Well, you're doing what you crazy. You you do, and that's kind of what I do. Forgive me, but that's okay, man. Anytime. Sorry, listeners. (laughs) He has a little. What is it? ADD. Probably just a little bit. ADD, OCD. You've got them all. You've got all the four twenty two hut hut. But let's just take a little bit closer look at John chapter four and this this intriguing encounter with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus had a conversation with a woman at a well about water. Uh, The woman thought Jesus was talking about physical water and physical thirst, but Jesus was talking about spiritual water and spiritual thirst. The woman thought that they were having a conversation about her most important physical need, but Jesus wanted to talk to her about her most important spiritual need. And what was her most important spiritual need? What was the living water? Well, the living water is Jesus Christ. John chapter 7 tells us this. It says in John chapter 7, verse 37, On the last day and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as a scripture, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Christian, take a moment and would you unpack this festival that Jesus was attending when he said this statement? Yes, yeah, so it was the last day of the Festival of Tabernacles. Festival of Tabernacles was held in October every year. Uh, after the harvest had come in, this this was the Israelites' time to kind of take a deep breath and say, man, thank God, the year is over and it's gone well. And what they would do is they would go live in tabernacles or booths or tents. The current festival we know is Sukkot, S-U-K-K-O-T. It's the Hebrew word for booth. Um, and they would build these tents outside the city wall and go live. They basically would camp out for a week to remind themselves that God kept them alive in the wilderness in tents, in booths, uh, for 40 years. And on the last day of the festival, they would celebrate that God gave them water in the desert. That The moment that God gave them water, when, when they showed up at a, a spring and they were able to th- throw in a tree and able to drink it, when Moses t- spoke to the rock, when Moses struck the rock, God continued to lead them to water. So on the last day, the, the community would follow the priest. They would take a big jar of water from outside the city to inside the city. They would take it to the temple. They would pour it out, and they would celebrate God provided all this water for us for 40 years. But it was a thought that God provided in a moment. And Jesus, as this is unfolding, says, listen, if you want more than a moment of spiritual water, come to me. I can give it to you for a lifetime. So, you know, with this thought of I'm thirsty, with this thought of I I need some momentary help, Jesus said, I can I can do better. I can give you more than momentary help. Uh, I can give you a life that is fully 
alive if you'll follow me. That's good. That's good. So, Brandon, we, we talked about in the message, suffering understands suffering. Right. But then we said the imperfection is replaced by the perfection in Jesus. And, G, you know, Jesus, when he says, I am thirsty, it, del- it tells us so much. But we talked about how it tells us that Jesus aced our test. Yes. Jesus faced our death. Um, just talk a little bit from a practical standpoint. What does it mean that Jesus has aced the test? What does it mean that Jesus has faced the death? He's faced the punishment for failing the test. Sure, sure. So I love this. This is one of my favorite truths of, of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ did for us. Here's the deal. We've got a big problem. Uh, we need righteousness. The law required a perfect score on the test, but, and, and, and it required that score so that we could be considered acceptable to God. But the problem is, is we fail. We fail all the time. And, and we, we sin, and it's ugly, and it's messy, and even on our best days, we're not good enough. But God had a solution. God, God's answer to the problem was Jesus Christ. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, so this by theologians, some really smart guys, these guys named theologians, call this verse the great exchange. And the great exchange is this, that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took everything that was good in him, meaning his righteousness, his perfection, and exchanged it for everything that was bad in us, meaning our sin and our perfection. And here's where it gets really practical. In Romans 6.23, it says um, that we deserve death for our sin. But Jesus tapped in and said, I've got this, and took our place on the cross. Um, Christian, all illustrations fall desperately short of trying to explain this, but but I'm going to give it a try. Um, I had a friend growing up whose name was Andy. Andy's mom made him the best lunches. I sat next to Andy for six years in school, and every day I would just, I would probably be sinning just looking at his sandwich and wanting it. I coveted his sandwich. But anyways, um, here's the problem. I made a mistake one day, and I complained about the lunch that my mom was making. And you know what? Rightfully, she said, well, make your own lunch. And I was really bad at making my own lunch. I mean, on my best days, I would assemble a peanut butter and jelly. And on my worst days, I brought nothing. So meanwhile, I would sit next to Andy every day and look at his sandwich with thick multigrain bread, perfectly spread mayonnaise, thinly sliced layers of turkey and ham, provolone cheese, lettuce, tomatoes. My mouth is watering just thinking about it, Christian. But one day... I was able to convince Andy to trade me his amazing sandwich for my miserable PB&J. I probably had to throw in a little Debbie to sweeten the deal, but man, I felt like I won the lottery that day. It was like the greatest trade of my life. And you can tell how significant it is because I remember it to this day. So I had... It must have been a good sandwich. It was a, every day. was the, His sandwiches were amazing, and I saw them every day. What a it, mother. She was an awesome mom. So was my mom. So was I'm mine still, as well. I'm still a little bitter about her make, not making my lunch, but that's okay. That's okay. Here's the deal. I had traded everything that was miserable about my peanut butter and jelly sandwich for everything that was great about the sandwich that Andy's mom would make him every day. So obviously this illustration and my trade of a lunch significantly pales in comparison to the trade that Jesus Christ made for us. We gave him our sin. He gave us his righteousness. We gave him our imperfection. He gave us his perfection. And as a result, we can have a personal relationship with God 
we we pass the test because of Jesus Christ and 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 we the best part is we have eternal life now that's not only a great exchange it's the greatest exchange but that exchange still takes place today i fall short every day i sin every day but when i do i remember 1 john 1 9 if you confess your sin he is faithful and just to forgive you of sin of your sin and purify you from all of your unrighteousness so I confess my sin, I give my sin to him, he cleanses me, he gives me his righteousness, and Christian, for that, I'm extremely grateful. So am I, because we would be hopeless without that exchange. You know, and it's so important, as we look at these statements on the cross, you know, we've got Jesus last week saying, Father, forgive them. We, we've got a spiritual purpose. But then in this statement, I am thirsty, we have, I, I guess if last week was his spiritual purpose, this week would would be like his physical purpose. The reason he came in a human body was so that he could understand our suffering, was so that he could ace our test that we could never pass on our own, was so that he could take the punishment, which really we deserve. And I can't wait to continue to unpack these statements because you're right. He said everything with great spiritual purpose. Somebody wrote it down because there was spiritual purpose. And it's been preserved these 2,000 years because there's great spiritual truth in it. So I'm excited about the first two weeks. I can't wait for the next few weeks. So keep listening in. Keep joining us. Uh, be a part of our church on Sunday mornings or check us out online. Uh, and don't just listen to this at Activate podcast, but tell your friends about it because we're hoping that this truth uh, that you're hearing uh, might benefit their faith as well. Christian, thanks again, man. I appreciate the opportunity to let me be on this side of the microphone. And as always, we want to thank you as listeners. We pray that our conversation today makes your conversations easier this week and a little bit more impactful. So we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. As you heard in this episode, Christian answered several questions from some of our listeners. You might have a question you'd like to ask as well. To submit that question, all you need to do is send us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. Also, share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.